Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program that features the lives of the saints and reflections on the Sunday readings, along with information on a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Corda. Our program is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. Our interview segment today will feature Father John Rovnak. We will also get a glimpse into the life and times of St. James the Greater in our Healing Saints segment, along with reflections on the readings for this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more on Wineskins. In our Life Issues segment, Father Jack Lavelle will talk about the media. On World Communications Day in 2014, Pope Francis stated, Communication is a means of expressing the missionary vocation of the entire Church. Today, the social networks are one way to experience this call to discover the beauty of faith, the beauty of encountering Christ. In the area of communications, too, we need a Church capable of bringing warmth and of stirring hearts. Social media is fundamentally changing how people communicate. Our Church cannot ignore it. In fact, it is our responsibility as Catholics to bring the Church's teaching into what Pope Benedict XVI called the digital continent. As Pope Francis wrote, the revolution taking place in communication media and in information technologies represents a great and thrilling challenge. May we respond to that challenge with fresh energy and imagination as we seek to share with others the beauty of God. The Church can use social media to encourage respect, dialogue, and honest relationships, in other words, true friendships. To do so requires us to approach social media as a powerful means of evangelization and to consider the Church's role in providing a Christian perspective on digital literacy. Before beginning work on social media guidelines, consider reading all of the World Communication Day messages issued since 2006, since each message focuses on social media. Social media offers both opportunities and challenges to Catholic organizations. These can be grouped into three primary categories, visibility, community, and accountability. With regard to visibility, online social media communities are vast and are growing at a rapid pace. For example, there are now more active Facebook accounts than there are Catholics worldwide. Given the size and scope of these communities, they offer excellent forums for the Church's visibility and evangelization. The key question that faces each church organization that decides to engage in social media is, how will we engage? Careful consideration should be made to determine the particular strengths of each form of social media, whether they be blogs, social networks, text messaging, and the list goes on and on. The needs of a ministry, parish, or organization should always be at the heart of what is decided. The strengths should match the needs. For instance, a blog post may not be the most effective way to remind students of an event. However, a mass text message to all students and their parents, telling them that the retreat begins at 9 a.m., may be a very effective way. Because of the high volume of content and sites, and the dynamics of search engines and computer networking, social media requires constant input and monitoring to make the church's presence effective. A social networking site such as a blog, needs to have new content on a regular basis. In the case of social media, the axiom, build it and they will come, is not applicable. 
it may be paradoxical when considering the fluidity of social media. But good planning and strategizing is essential, if not more so when approaching social media versus the traditional forms of media. The aspect of community. Social media can be a powerful tool for strengthening community. Although social media interactions should not be viewed as a substitute for face-to-face gatherings, social media can support communities in a myriad of ways. Connecting people with similar interests, sharing information about in-person events, providing ways for people to engage in dialogue. The use of social media should be well integrated into the overall communication strategy of every Catholic organization. Users move seamlessly across multiple platforms, receiving information and entering into dialogue using print, oral, video, and digital communications. In a variety of settings, effective communication strategizes to recognize the expectations and preferences of the community and to develop messages suited to those expectations and preferences. A well-considered use of social media has the ultimate goal of encouraging what was called at that World Communications Day in 2014 an authentic culture of encounter. It creates an engagement. And with the rapid acceptance of digital social networks, the digital continent may become very crowded. The church can be successful in being heard above the fray of creating engagement. Engagement is defined as the activity that happens around a message posted on social networks. This activity includes likes, comments, shares, and again, many more ways of receiving the message. But we must also remember accountability. Social media provides tools for building community. Memberships and communities also require accountability and responsibility. Users of social media expect site administrators to allow dialogue, to provide information, and to acknowledge mistakes. The explosion of information available to social media consumers has meant that they often only use information from trusted sites or sites recommended by those whom they trust. While not every demand or inquiry can be met, it is important that creators and site administrators of social media understand both how social media are different from mass media and what their expectations may be. Creators and consumers of mass media generally accept their one-way conversations, such as the old letters to the editor. Social media emphasizes the word social, and thus, there is a general blurring of the distinction between creators of content and consumers of the content. One of the greatest challenges is, of course, the plethora of social media sites. With a vast array of opinions and attitudes, it is uncertain if the content of material presented is always what is in the best interest of the church and those who are seeking that information. Begin by first looking at the social media of your local parish or diocesan sites, along with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops site. While there are many other wonderful sites out there, it can be confusing with regard to particular theologies and ecclesiologies. Much like the transition from a half-hour national news program on three major stations to a 24-hour multi-platform news operation, the same is true for the information presented with regard to the Church and our faith. May God continue to bless the work of evangelization, bringing the good news to each other, and living it faithfully each and every day. And may we all wisely use the social media that connects us. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jack Lavelle. St. James the Greater is a patron saint of those with arthritis and rheumatism. To tell us more is Jim Kravanek. He is from St. Michael Church in Canfield. 
Legend tells us that as the king's men led James outside Jerusalem for execution, they passed a man crippled by arthritis or rheumatism who begged James to cure him. Pausing for a moment on his way to martyrdom, James said, in the name of Jesus Christ, for whom I am being led to execution, stand up and bless your creator. Soon the man stood and gave thanks to God. The feast of this brother of John the Evangelist is celebrated in the West on July 25th. He was the first apostle to shed his blood for Christ. He was beheaded by Herod Agrippa I in the year 42, according to the Acts of the Apostles. James was the son of Zebedee and Salome and was one of the three privileged apostles, together with Peter and John, who witnessed the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, the resurrection of the daughter of Jairus, the transfiguration, and the agony in the garden. In the Mass, the prayer over the gifts states that James was the first apostle to share the cup of suffering and death. He and his brother were also among the first apostles called by Christ after Peter and Andrew. The lesson of this feast is this, like St. James, we sometimes ask of the Lord more than we are ready or worthy to receive. We must become as little children and accept from the hands of our Heavenly Father whatever He deigns to give us. Yet the opening prayer reminds us that we must at the same time be strong and courageous in professing our faith. Let us pray, St. James, patron saint of those who suffer from the crippling effects of arthritis, we ask that you place every person suffering from this disease, especially those whom we know and love, at the feet of God. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, I'm Jim Krebenek. Joining me now is Father John Rovnak, who was a recently ordained priest for the Diocese of Youngstown just about three weeks ago. And Father Rovnak, it's a pleasure to have you on Wineskins. It is an honor to be here. The last time you were here, you were just ordained a deacon. And so we talked about your ministry then. And just a few short weeks ago, you were ordained to the priesthood. What does that do for you inside? What's the feelings that's going on right now? I'm on an emotional whirlwind right now, Father. It has been such a roller coaster of joy, happiness, excitement. There's some sadness there too, though, because you know I was assigned to St. Michael's in Canfield for the past two years, and now I'm leaving there and I'm just starting my new position. So it's just one of those leaving the people who were there and then now I'm getting to know these new people, and it's a joy to get to know them, but it's sad to leave where you were at. Well, you know, one of the things that is kind of a hallmark of our ministry is that we don't stay in the same place for a long time. Now, there have been exceptions over the years, but primarily we move from parish to parish or assignment to assignment. But yet, that is part of who we are as diocesan priests. In your past ministry, what are some of the things that you really enjoyed doing and what are you really looking forward to now? So some of the things I've really, really, really enjoyed doing. I love teaching. I have loved just working with the youth and I'm looking forward to be having a chance to do that in the future. But just getting to know people, just being present with them, that has always been such a joy and an honor. I think another thing that I'd like us to talk about is vocations. You know, one of the primary questions that we're always asked is, why did you become a priest? So I'm going to ask you that question, why did you become a priest? The short answer, it was for the people. The longer answer, I just kept feeling called 
to it. You know, I'm sure you had the same experience yourself of every time you went to church, it was, you know, I could be doing that. Why aren't you doing that? And then people starting to ask you those questions of, you know, you should be a priest. And you kind of ignore them at first. But after a while, you realize God's really talking to you through those people, and you should start listening. Seven years ago, I entered the seminary. And I was apprehensive. I had just left a full-time position, pay benefits, all the nine yards that you look for as a successful person. And I wasn't sure this is what I was supposed to be doing. That first night I was there gave me such a sense of peace that you're finally where you need to be. And seven years later, I'm walking out. Well, and, and it really is part of an affirmation to know that this is the right thing for me. I remember years ago when I was in the seminary, almost 45 years ago, that there were many young men that had no clue of what they wanted to do, and they were already in college. And so I think for many young people today searching for what should they do, once they discover and learn that, then there's a peace that happens. The other thing I want us to talk about is the situation of fewer priests. We know that you're being ordained into a diocese like many dioceses. We don't like to call it a shortage of priests, but there are fewer of us that are ministering. What does that do for you in your embarkation of this new ministry? It's definitely going to be a challenge, Father. It's interesting because, yeah, we're down quite a few priests for the number of parishes that we actually have. And when you're looking around at everything, it's, it's a little scary at times. But we have to have faith and hope that God will provide. And he always does. He always provides shepherds for his flock. He always provides laborers for the harvest, as the Bible says. We just have to trust in God's providence and mercy that this is what he's calling us to do. One of the things that you had mentioned, there are challenges that lie ahead. What are some of those challenges, but what can you do or what do you have or how are you prepared to meet those challenges? Yeah, some of those challenges just with the less number of priests that we have means that we're going to be extended a little further than in the past. Before it was one priest per parish. Now we're going to have one priest per two parishes, one priest per three parishes. That is definitely a challenge in terms of ministering to the people. But one of the things we can do is help bring people up from within the parish. You know, there's always that need for more vocations, whether it is the permanent diaconate and having our deacons take on more responsibility, religious life and having our sisters and brothers take on a little bit more responsibility to parish, or just the lay ecclesial ministry reprogram. There are people, lay people, who are doing wonderful things in the parishes that the priest used to do. We're allowing them to showcase their skills and their talents to help build up the Church of Christ. Let's talk about some of the support staff that's part of parish life, which you've experienced, obviously, as a deacon and now as a priest. Why is it important for us to have good people working with us, not for us, but working with us in church ministry? And how do we get more people involved? All right, so to answer the first part, why is it important to have good people working with us? 
it's extremely important because not all of us are business people, not all of us are accountants, not all of us are HR, not all of us are teachers. We need qualified people who are able to do those things. Our primary role is ministry. Yes, some of us had past lives as teachers or business people or engineers or scientists, but our primary role now is ministering to the people of God. And we have to trust the other people of God who have those skills and talents, those, those treasures really, to do their own respective roles. As for to bring other people up, we're always looking for volunteers for different ministries. And if anyone's ever willing to help out, it might not be something major. Maybe it's just you enjoy praying. Well, we could always use someone for the prayer chain. Maybe you're good with money. We're a banker in a past life or a business person. Have you considered becoming a money counter? Maybe it's, you know, you don't got much to offer, but you read very well. A lector's always good. Or it's just helping out around the office with groundskeeping and things like that. All those roles are so important because if we maintain the parish and make sure it's welcoming all the time, it welcomes more and more people in. In closing, very briefly, how has been the support of family, friends, and other priests for you? It has been absolutely incredible. I could not be here without the support of my family, without the support of my friends. And the priests who have supported me have really been more than just friends, but brothers and mentors. It is with their guidance I've been able to do much of what I've been able to do. Father John Rovnak, newly ordained priest of the Diocese of Youngstown. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, God's blessing as you continue your ministry here in the diocese. And we know that we will see wonderful things out of your ministry, but also you will bless others and in turn be blessed by them. Thank you so much, Father Corda. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Many sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for little pay, and now their communities lack retirement funds. I spent 34 years as a teacher. I just loved interacting with the students. Gifts to the Retirement Fund for Religious help provide for medications, nursing care, and more. An annual collection is held in parishes across the nation. I always remember you in my prayers. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Visit retiredreligious.org. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD entitled, Come You Who Labor. It is by Vince Ambrosetti. Light is my birth. 
Our scripture reflections for this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time will be done by Father Tom Isworth. He is Pastor Emeritus of Blessed Sacrament Church in Warren. Sometimes I have the feeling that the gospel was written, especially for our time. Maybe every generation feels that. When I look at the worry and the anxiety of the days and hear Jesus say, your soul shall find rest, it seems that he is talking directly to us. Certainly no one could deny that there is a kind of frantic quality to our modern life, which over the long haul tends to bring on a state of spiritual exhaustion. It seems that there are symptoms of desperation in almost everything that we do. For example, take the way that we drive. Look at yourself. The next time that you get caught in rush hour traffic or a construction site, we act as if the world is coming to an end. If we don't make it through a green light, Do you know how much time you'll save? On the average, only 45 seconds. Are we really in that big of a hurry? Are 45 seconds worth the risk of both life and limb, not to mention the emotional stress and strain? I don't believe it is. There's sort of a nameless, faceless urgency that keeps us charging through the days without ever stopping to wonder why we are in such a hurry. You can see the same example in our meals. One of the major industries of the world is a thing called fast food. You don't have to wait for your hamburger and fries. They're already ready when you get there. Why bother making the effort to have a decent meal with your family when you can pull up to a drive through window, grab a box of chicken, and hurry on your way? 
Now, I'm not saying that these things are bad. All I'm saying is that there is something that goes much deeper, some undefined sense of desperation that wears out our soul and leads to a state of spiritual exhaustion. Jesus was addressing that condition when he said, Come to me, learn from me, and your soul will find rest. You and I need to hear that because the soul needs to rest just as surely as the body needs sleep. You and I cannot live in a constant state of agitation without paying a terrible price in terms of happiness, character, creativity, and usefulness. All of the great things in life are contingent upon a sense of serenity of the soul. Jesus had that. Oftentimes, his days were a beehive of activity, but always at the center was a steadiness, a serenity, that cannot be shaken. You never see Jesus wringing his hands. Always he had that quiet center to go out from and to come back to. Jesus knew how to rest his soul, and we can learn that art from him. The most obvious thing we need to learn is trust, underlying and supporting everything that Jesus was and did, was an underlying trust in God. His conviction was that God was in charge of the world. We think and act as if life were a runaway train and that it is our responsibility to keep it on track. We worry about everything, from the national debt to gun violence in our own country, bombing on many major cities of the world, and everything in between. There's little that we can do. Why can't we have the good sense to turn things over to God? Trusting God does not mean that we sit down and fold our hands. It just means that we stop wringing them. We need to recognize that we can't do everything. All we can do is put in a good day's work, carry our share of the load, do what authorities in the know are telling us, and leave the rest of it to God. We must link our lives to God in a trusting relationship and pull our part of the load. If we would learn to do those things, our souls would find rest. For Wineskins, I'm Father Thomas Eisworth. So how do you spell relief? We can reduce it to one six-letter word, C-H-R-I-S-T, Christ, the one who said, come to me and I will refresh you. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. Wineskins is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, thanking you for being with us. Have a blessed Sunday, and may God be with you. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line, 
That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.